Good morning, everybody. My name is Tim Porter, one of the pastors here at Faith Community, and it's Baptism Sunday. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. I've already started to water my beard just singing, uh, singing Goodness of God, and uh, I'm sure this will not be the last time I tear up this morning. Uh, it's good to be together this morning online so much. It's so good to be with you as well. Hey, I just want to let you know online that last week my wife and I were watching online. It was good to be online together, but it is better to be in the room, especially for times like this. And we would love, as soon as you are able, we'd love for you to join us on Sunday morning in the room and worship together uh, in this way as well. And uh, so as we are... Uh, celebrating baptisms today, we are also in this series uh, called What is Faith? And we believe at Faith Community that the Bible teaches that baptism is this outward sign, this visible sign, you're getting wet into the tank, this visible sign of an inward faith that we can't see, an inward faith that's directed toward Jesus. And so it's a good opportunity this morning for us to uh, answer a question in the context of baptism of what is faith, what is re- what really, what is faith? And what makes Christian faith unique from any other faith? That's what we're going to do today. We're going to be looking at a passage uh, that's been called by people throughout the history of the church the Hall of Faith because it's a listing of all different kinds of people in the Bible who had faith in God and were commended. And we're going to look at a section of that, and you can find it on page 107 of the Bibles in front of you if you want to read there. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. But again, this is a, this is a part of what's been called the hall of faith. And if you want to know a little bit more about you know, just the stream and the theme of faith in the Bible and what sets apart faith in God from any other faith that's out there, I highly recommend later on today or in your missional community or small group or at home, you read through all of chapter 11 because it's talking about all different kinds of faith, all different kinds of people who had faith in God. But again, we're just looking at the first part, Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 10 page 1007 in the Bibles in front of you. And I'm gonna try to take a pause right now because my wife, if she were here right now, she'd be the next one, she'd be saying, calm down, Tim, turn your dial down just a little bit. Uh, I'm a little energetic right now, and so I'm gonna try to pause and read through this passage well because I really like what we're doing here today and I'm excited about it. Hebrews 11, verse one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, and God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks today. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him up. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith... Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for saving of his household. 
By this, he's, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, it might seem a little bit weird to you, maybe, that we're talking about faith because, hey, shouldn't everybody know what faith is? I mean, we talk about faith all the time. We use the words faith and believing and trust all the time. You know, every wedding dance I go to, at some point in time, we get on the dance floor and we start singing Journey, Don't Stop Believing, right? Don't stop. I'm not going to sing the whole thing for you, right? But hold on to that feeling, right? Is faith a feeling? Or is it something else? Faith is interesting, right? So there's been this whole new movement, if you've been paying attention to TikTok and YouTube, this whole movement in the last three years of manifesting. Teens will tell you on TikTok over and over and over again that they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend to respond to them simply by rehearsing a positive script. The universe rewarded them because they had faith, in a sense. Is that what faith is? Just having positive mental attitude and the universe is going to reward you? What is faith? One of my favorite pieces that gets confused, favorite, hardest, is that many people think that faith is the opposite of thinking. Faith is the opposite of reasoning. Oh, Christians, religious people, you guys have faith. Good for you. I'm glad it works for you. I don't have faith at all. I just have reason. And I make my decisions based on reason. Really? Is faith and reason, faith and thinking, are they opposite of one another? I've had times in my life I've been massively confused about what faith is. I remember reading about the Abraham story, which he is described in this chapter, and we're going to come back to later on next year and look at Abraham's life. Looking, Abraham had faith. Do I have faith? Do I really have faith? What is it? Well, the author of Hebrews gives us this wonderful sort of a, a generic definition of faith. This is what all of faith is. This is what all of faith is. It's, it's composed of this, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is, this is what faith is, the, the assurance of things hoped for. So there's an emotional side, a subjective personal side, the conviction but it has to do with things hoped for and things unseen. All of faith is like this, and every human being is operating by faith all the time. To be a human being is to have the faculties within us to be able to have faith. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you are operating by faith all the time. Nobody, until they die, is without faith. We're constantly living by faith, this definition of faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Let me give you some examples because you're probably not persuaded yet. My wife and I, we were engaged on December 25th, 1993. I know I'm not very inventive. It was Christmas Day. We got married six months later on June 25th, 1994. We had a conviction, we had an assurance of things hoped for. We were planning our wedding with an assurance that on, on June 25th, we would have a wedding day. We operated with that assurance. We went and we made a little bridal deal and we went and asked for a bunch of different things from this, you know, the bridal list and all that kind of stuff. It's been so long ago, I can't even remember what the real name of it is. 
We, we put down payments down for the wedding venue, for the, uh, at the church, and then also uh, at where we're going to have the reception. We, we, cha- we paid for our honeymoon. All of that was a hoped-for thing, something that was out there in the future, something unseen, out there in the future, and we lived with this assurance that it was going to happen. I mean, imagine if my wife came then, my fiancé, came and said to me, it's like, why aren't you planning uh, because I don't believe we're going to get married. Not a great way to start a relationship. <laughs> all faith, all planning into the future is an assurance or a lack of assurance of something hoped for. Things, a conviction of things unseen. My wife and I, my family, we make commitments to vehicles. The last time we bought a vehicle was in 2011, and we've driven that vehicle into the ground. We sold it two weeks ago. We bought a new vehicle, or at least new to us, we replaced that one, and in the process of purchasing this vehicle, I'm doing the Carfax report, I'm test driving it, I'm doing all this kind of stuff, because I am looking for a conviction of something unseen. What I mean by that is this. I believe that there's a relationship between how well the vehicle is maintained before I got it to how long it's going to last when I get it and maintain it. But I didn't own it, and I don't know the owner. It's something unseen. How well was it maintained? I have no idea. It's unseen. So what I do, I check out the Carfax, I look for all kinds of rust, I check out the engine, I'm looking at it, I'm talking to the salesperson and saying, you know, what was the story of this car, what was it like, all that kind of stuff, because I'm looking to make this, have this conviction so I can make a decision about something unseen. We're all operating that way in various ways because to live life is, in many ways, is to live a life of faith. What sets Christianity apart is not that we have faith and other people don't have faith. What sets Christianity apart is the object of our faith. We have faith in the God who sent Jesus as his son to live for us, die for us, rise again for us, and come again for us. That's what sets Christian faith apart. It's not that we have faith. It's the object of our faith. We've been talking about in this series that a a definition for Christian faith or biblical faith is simply this. Faith, biblical faith, Christian faith is a decision to respond to what God has said. A decision to respond to what God has said. Now some of you might be thinking if you know the Bible, you might be thinking, wait Tim, okay, Jesus says, oh faithless generation, and you're telling me that everybody has faith. What does he mean by that? What he means by that is that the reason why he says that there's a faithless generation or he says that some people are unbelievers or something like that is it means that they're not, they don't have faith in God. They don't have faith in him. See, whenever we don't have faith in Jesus, we put our faith in something else. And so to have biblical faith, to have Christian faith, is to make a decision to respond to what God has said about himself to what God has said about unseen things that have happened in the past, unseen things that, have happened in the, that are happening in the present, and unseen things that are happening in the future. It's to trust and respond to what God has said. 
Nobody lives a life without faith. Everybody lives a life with faith. But not everybody lives a life of faith where we're responding and making a decision to respond to what God has said. Let me give you some examples of what the author of Hebrews tells us, what makes Christian faith here unique. Verse three, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So something happened that's unseen to us. It happened in the past. God created the world. And God tells us, if you read Genesis 1, God tells us that he created the world by simply speaking. There was a time when there was nothing visible, no matter at all. All there was was the invisible. All there was was God and the angels at some point in time who are invisible as well. And then God started to speak creatively and he made something visible. We know that, we understand that as Christians because that's what God told us. It's something unseen that we have to understand and believe about how the world began because there were no witnesses there. Adam didn't come around until some time later. He didn't see God create light out of darkness. He didn't see God cause the, all, all the ground, to, all the water to gather together and the ground to come up and, all the, and all, the, uh, all the plants to sprout up right away. He didn't see all that kind of stuff. We have no witnesses. The only thing, the only way that we can know about how the world began is by faith. Now, another little example. However else you believe the world came into being, if you believe that the world has always been around, matter has always existed, it's always existed. Or if you believe that matter began at some point in time, but it began because of some unseen force and some chance and just um, two things colliding and da-da-da-da, and there's no personal God who created everything, just so you know, you believe that by faith too. Prove it. You can't. So one of the things that happens when People are investigating Christianity. They go, well, you know, I, I believe this way and I just trust the facts and I just trust the evidence. To a degree, you do. But we're talking about something that's unseen. There's no witnesses. You are making a faith leap just as much as a Christian is. Are you sure the evidence is right? I love what the author of Hebrews says about faith here. By faith, by faith we understand that the world was made by God, that the unseen, the seen things come out of unseen things, that God did something by the power of his word because it helps us you know, to see that faith doesn't mean that we check our brain out at the door. It means that we are seeking to understand and some Christians have said that once they became Christians, they actually really started to think because they started to work through the implications of having a creator. They came out of a worldview and they came out of a faith that said there was no creator. And they had to take a leap of faith because of like all there is is matter. Everything happened by an impersonal force. All everything happened by chance. And so all the things that really matter about life of love and justice and friendship and morality, all these things, I just have to take a faith leap as it really matters because if there is no personal God and all there is is matter, at the end of the day, we're just worm food. 
and it doesn't really matter. Christians, what makes faith unique is that we understand and we start to think through the implications of what we say we believe and we start to live out the implications of what God says to us about the world, about himself, and about you and me. It's a response. This is another thing that's unique about the Bible. When it talks about Christian faith, all faith in one sense is like this, but Christian faith responds to what God has said. That's, how, that's why the author here pulls in Noah. Noah is the first person, recorded person in the Bible who received a direct communication from God about something that's gonna happen in the future. We, we read here just a summary of what Noah did. Verse seven, by faith, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. In other words, what he did is God told Noah, specifically, we don't know how, we don't know when, but he told Noah at some point in time, Noah, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to send a flood into the world because I'm absolutely grieved over the wickedness of humanity, and I want to save you from that flood. Noah, hearing those words, responded. Responded. He acted. He acted on what he believed. He knew something unseen. There was some unseen thing coming, the flood that God told him about. There'd never been a flood before like this in the history of the world. No farmer's almanac to go back to. Like, yeah, it's every now and again we get a flood like this. Something that never happened before in the history of the world. Something that was coming sometime in the future. God tells Noah about it, and it's unseen because it's in the future, and Noah responds not by sight, but with faith. See, the opposite of faith, Christianity, the opposite of faith isn't reason and thinking and understanding. The opposite of faith is walking by sight. Making decisions basically only on what I can see, not on what is unseen that God tells me. Imagine what it must have been like for Noah and hanging out with his friends at the local coffee shop. So Noah, big boat. Never seen a boat that big before. We're in the middle of land. What are you building a boat for? Well, God told me there's a flood coming. Flood? What's a flood? Well, a flood is this massive thing of water and it's gonna come in and God's gonna do this. Yeah, we've never seen anything like that before. The ancestors haven't told us anything about that ever happening again. Noah, you're crazy. Those types of things never happen. They were making their decisions. They were basing their faith on what could be seen, not on what God had said. Every person in this list of Hebrews 11, this list of people who responded to God are people who acted on their faith, acted on what they believed, acted on what God had told them about himself, about the past, about the future. Faith always acts. 
You can analyze what you really believe in about life by how you behave, what you say, what you do. Faith always acts. It's always moving. That's why a life of, uh, every life that we live, every human being is constantly living by faith. You're constantly acting on what you believe. And you're either acting on what you believe God said, or you're acting on faith, insight, and what you can see or what somebody else said. And what's unique, again, about Christianity is that we, we make our decisions and we respond to the good news of Jesus and to what God has said about him and what he's done for us and how that impacts every area of life. You're gonna hear us say here at Faith Community that we want everybody to find and live a gospel-inspired life. A gospel-inspired life is just another way of talking about a life lived in faith to the good news of Jesus and what God has done for us. It's constantly coming back to and believing and believing what the gospel is. When my wife and I were newly married, we were newly married, we ran into some, like every marriage does and some, at some point in time, we ran into some hard times and I was experiencing, we were both experiencing some disappointment with one another. I mean, in many ways it was realistic just because we had only known each other actually nine months before we got married. Don't recommend it. But it worked for us. God was kind. Is kind. But we ran into some disappointments. And I believed, this shows my immaturity, and I'm a little embarrassed to say this as well, but I believed in that moment that one of the best ways I could handle my disappointments with my wife was to give her some form of the silent treatment. I went a few days without talking to her. Not being rude, just avoiding, not talking. Do you know how well that worked? <laughs> not well at all. Eventually, my wife's like, uh, are you avoiding me? I'm like, yeah, thanks for noticing. Why are you doing that, right? I'm like, this is a terrible way to handle disappointments. But you know what? I was living by faith. Living by faith that, oh, the best way for me to handle my disappointments with my wife right now is to ignore her. And I was a Christian. And I attended worship. And I believed that that was the best way for me to handle my disappointments. And in that belief of that was the best way to handle my disappointments, I, was un, I had unbelief in what Jesus said about the best way to handle disappointments. I wasn't believing that the best way to handle my disappointments was to graciously, kindly, gently, humbly, talk to my wife about disappointment so that we could work together and draw one another together. So this is what you're gonna hear here at Faith Community a lot over and over again is that even if you believe in Jesus, you have a real vital, true faith in Jesus, there is still unbelief in your heart regarding the things that Jesus said. Which means that we're, we still have a long way to go to believing everything that Jesus said and living fully by faith. One of the most important questions we can ask day in and day out in seeking to live a gospel-inspired life 
is what am I really believing right now that's leading to the actions that I'm doing right now? It's application for everybody. What am I really believing right now that's leading to the life that I'm living right now? Am I anxious? Am I scared? Am I angry? Am I driven? Am I irritable? Am I overwhelmed? Am I in an argument with somebody? Am I giving somebody else the silent treatment? Am I partying with friends on the weekend? Am I sleeping around with others? Am I looking at porn? What do I believe right now that is leading to those actions? Because all life actions flow from obedience or flow from faith, either faith in Jesus and what he has said or faith in something else and what it has said. Life is a life of faith. Will it be a faith in Jesus? Or will it be a faith in something else? The author of Hebrews gets a little bit more precise too about what this faith is that we have, that we respond to. He says it this way, and without faith, we need to know this, without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God is a knowable person. God is not just an idea. He's not just something that we think about. It's like, oh yeah, God exists. God is a knowable person. And the way that we know any human being is through faith. We trust them. We want to be in relationship with them. When the author of Hebrews talks about drawing near to God, that we must believe that he exists, draw near is a relational term. It's not proximity, it's relationship. We draw near to God. We, we want to know him more. We want to um, believe him more. We want to trust him more. We can, we can really know, really know God. There was a time when I went through this wrestle about whether or not everything Christianity has to teach is true, but it all boiled down at one point in time to me going, yeah, but how do I turn my back on somebody that I actually know? I know God. You can know God. Christian faith is not simply knowing a set of facts or believing a certain set of facts that God exists and he sent Jesus and Jesus died for us and Jesus rose again for us and he's coming again for us. And it's not just knowing a set of facts, it's knowing a person. This is so important. I asked my wife if I could tell the story. But she grew up in the church. She grew up in the church. She was around it all the time. It was... She was involved in religious things all the time, but everything changed for her at a summer camp at Young Life Camp when the theme of the speakers and everybody else was about having a relationship with God. She's like, what? Relationship? You mean I can know him? Not just know a set of facts, but know him? Everything clicked for her in that moment. It was revolutionary. Maybe it's revolutionary for you. Christianity isn't about knowing a set of facts. It's about knowing a person. Do you know him? You can know him. If you know you don't know him, but you want to, please come up and talk to me right after the service or go to the prayer room. We would love to talk to you about how to start a relationship with God. Because the, the dominant theme of the Bible, one of them, is that God wants to know you and be in relationship with you. That's amazing. How do we continue to build this faith in us? 
this faith in God. One is that you have to know what God said. If Christian faith is making the decision to respond to what God has said, brothers and sisters, you have to be reading your Bibles. So one of the reasons why we make SOAP, this way of studying the Bible, scripture, observe, application, and prayer, so readily available, we talk about it as much as we possibly can, and we need to talk about it more. One of the, one of the parts of my course on spiritual practices is learning how to do SOAP Bible study. Why, because it's, we have to know what God said if we're gonna respond to what he said. You can't respond to somebody if you don't know what they said. So you've got to be knowing your Bible and reading your Bible, but not just reading your Bible just to get facts. It's reading your Bible to know God, and it's reading your Bible to act on what he said. That's why application is so important. Brothers and sisters, you will have weak faith, and your faith will waver. And you will give your faith to something else if you don't know what God said. Sometimes you'll do it out of ignorance. Like, oh, I had no idea God said that. I know. Keep reading your Bibles. But it's not just reading your Bibles on your own, which is really important. It's also reading your Bible within community. Our vision here at Faith Community is that we would experience, we would, we would experience Jesus' presence in Christ-centered community, his welcoming, attractive, and reconciling presence in Christ-centered community. The author of Hebrews talks about how we exhort one another. This is one of the things from chapter 10. Do not neglect meeting together. And that's not just a worship gathering. Do not neglect meeting together as in the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. What we do in missional communities, what we do in small groups with missional communities is that we're encouraging one another to have faith in God as the day that is unseen is drawing near so that we can all be prepared for the day that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome into the kingdom. The Christian life, the Christian faith is not intended to be lived in isolation. It's built, it's encouraged, it's inspired in Christ-centered community. You're gonna hear a lot this fall about Christ-centered community, being in missional community. Please seriously consider and look at your life and see, does anybody know me? So they could encourage me in the faith in Jesus. See, I can only do so much, and Tim Prince can only do so much, and Kevin Christopher can only do so much, and Pat Stream can only do so much when we're up here on the, on the platform talking about how to encourage you to apply the scriptures to your life. The best people who can do that are the people that know you best. Do the people around you know how to apply the scriptures to your life? It's so important for growing that way. I'm going to close this way and we're going to prep for baptism. One other essential element for Christian faith is that the Bible teaches over and over and over and over again that we are saved and we are in relationship with God, not because of the quality of our faith, not because of the strength of our faith, and not because we never doubt. It's because of the object of our faith, who is Jesus. The author of Hebrews rounds out this whole section of being focused on faith in this way in chapter, two, in chapter 12, verse two. Looking to Jesus, the founder, hear this, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When you look through the list of all the people who had faith in God in chapter 11, they all had massive flaws. They all wavered in their faith. Moses, Abraham, Sarah, David, Samson. Samson is in the hall of faith. Rahab, a prostitute. Because it wasn't about the strength of their faith. It wasn't that their faith never, never wavered. It's that their faith persisted and their faith increased. Because it's not about how much faith we have that saves us. It's about the object of our faith, who is Jesus. And Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. And what do we see about Jesus being the perfecter of our faith? Two things. He endured the cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? for all the ways when I don't trust him and I sin. To die in my place to forgive those debts for my sins, for all the ways and all the times that I still do and will until I see him face to face, distrust him and put my faith in something else and disobey. But not only that, he's the perfecter of our faith because he believed perfectly for us. Jesus never wavered in his faith. Jesus never doubted God and disobeyed. And his perfect faith is credited to us as if it's ours. The reason why one day you and I will stand before God isn't because, and, and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and be wrapped up in his arms and kissed on the, on the neck, metaphorically speaking. It's because Jesus believed for us. That's why we give our whole life to him. We believe him when he says that I died for you, I rose again for you, and I'm coming again for you. Trust me. Now we're going to celebrate baptism this morning, and baptism, again, is the, it's an, it's an outward sign. Everybody's taking a step. Everybody going into the tank this morning is taking a step of faith. They're saying, I believe in Jesus, and they're responding to what Jesus has done for them by getting baptized because Jesus says, be baptized. And we're going to have the team come up, and we're going to get the camera ready and stuff like that, as I just want to prep us just a little bit for baptism, and then I'm going to pray for us before we uh, baptize. A couple things here at Baptism at Faith Community Church. If, if you're joining with us for the first time, again, welcome. We do things a little bit differently here. We celebrate a lot with baptism. But what you're going to see is each person is going to be coming up into the baptismal tank, and uh, Pastor Larry or somebody else who's baptizing them is going to be asking them uh, two questions. Uh, do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, which is an act of faith, confession of faith? And do you promise by God's grace or by God's strength to follow him all the days of your life until you see him face to face? Those two questions, if a person answers yes to those questions, we say we want to baptize you. And you also see Larry um, say something, Pastor Larry say something about, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he will bring them down to the water and bring them back up. And this is symbolizing a changed life. Just as Jesus died and rose again, we, our old self, our old way of living, our way of putting our faith in other things, we're, we're saying we're, we're dead to that. And we're going down to the water, we're dying to the old way of life, and we're coming up to new life. That's why we have new life on the t-shirts of everyone getting baptized this morning. Now, we're not just, uh, you know, part or we're not just standby watchers of this event uh, because the Bible says something unseen that 
angels rejoice over every one person who repents and turns to Jesus. And so we're going to try and match the rejoicing in heaven this morning by how we rejoice together. And so what we do is we're going to start out singing and worshiping God together. And Larry's going to get in the tank and he's going to welcome each person into the tank. And when, when Larry brings that person up, we're all going to stand up and we're going to shout and woohoo and clap and celebrate and give a standing ovation to every person as they come out of the water. We're going to sit back down and then we're going to do it again as the next person comes out of water. And so if you haven't done your squats yet today, your hamstrings will be happy or sad. I don't know. But your heart will be full as we celebrate together, okay? Everybody know what we're doing? Okay. Let me pray for us and for this time. Because this is a holy moment. God be praised. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together here this morning. Thank you for all the friends and family who might be here to celebrate the baptisms and for those watching online as well. God, I ask that as we see people, young and old, male and female, getting baptized, that all of our faith would be inspired to whatever you're asking us to do today. We would respond and say yes. Remembering this is how we began our relationship with you, by responding, by trusting you and getting baptized. And this is how we continue our relationship with you. May our hearts be humble in whatever you tell us to do. The reasons you give for doing it, may we believe those in full to receive you face to face and act.